0: From Relay FM, this is Connected, episode number seventy nine. Today's show is brought to you by our friends over at PDF Pen Seven from Smile and Igloo. My name is Mike Hurley, and I am joined by Mr. Stephen Hackett. Hello, Mr. Stephen Hackett. Hello, Mr. Michael Hurley. You forgot who I was, and Mr. Federico Petici. Hey guys, to you. we're Hello. all back as a three yes. again, yes, which nearly didn't happen.
1: Well, there was an accident.
0: (laughs) There was an accident. Well, actually, let's address this later on in the show as to why this episode nearly didn't (laughs) happen today. Okay. Uh, But we have an action-packed show here right now. We're not actually streaming live either for for once, which is peculiar. It's just the three of us. Feels kind of lonely without the chat room. It does, it does. I could start sending you messages if you want. Okay, yes, please be the chat room.
2: Or we could jump in the chat room once Clockwise starts and be really confused. Yeah, we could just use the Clockwise chat room, which is
0: starting shortly, as our chat room. And they can just, you know, they can direct the show that way. That's a
2: great idea. (laughs) What could go wrong? What could go wrong? Follow-up time, please? Yes, I would love to uh, hold your hands and walk through the field to follow up together. (laughs) Okay. We've spoken about the Amazon Echo a couple times, Federico. You uh, bought one on some sort of... uh, gray market website uh mike you have not bought one is that is that correct are you still holding out that's correct jason just bought one though yeah so did i (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: it's like i feel like i'm being surrounded
2: it's this is like some
0: kind of pincer movement peer
1: pressure mike
2: it is so uh dan morin has been smug in our slack about uh the the virtues of the echo he's had one for a while and uh I picked one up. It's in my kitchen, which is like the natural place for it to be. I had it on my desk, and it seemed not as useful. And in the kitchen, you know, you're washing dishes, and you can just shout at it and uh, ask questions and play music. Um, I'm trying Spotify with it, so I paid for a month of Spotify, and it's really great on the Echo. It's it's a very compelling little device. And, uh, you know, if you don't want to stream something, it works as a Bluetooth speaker. uh, So you can just play music to it directly, unlike the Sonos, which you have to jump through hoops. As we've talked about, to so you can play Apple Music on it, then. Uh yeah, I, I mean it, it can work just as, as a Bluetooth speaker. So I have it uh, set up just to yeah. play Overcast from my phone if I want to, or if I want to, you know, say you know, hey, go play so and so off of Spotify. It'll just stream that from Spotify directly.
1: Yeah, just I just did it last night. You have to say Alexa pair, and it starts the uh, Bluetooth pairing process. Oh, that's nice, so cool. Yeah.
0: All right, so Steven, I'm going to levy the same kind of, not accusation, but wow. thing to, that I did to Federico's so You just bought a Sonos. And now you're <laughs> yes. talking about the fact that you're playing music <laughs> on your Echo. Like, what yeah. else are you using it for? Otherwise, just to replace the Sonos that you just bought. I want to point out right now that for the history of this show, I have been accused unfairly no, of on. having a shopping problem. <laughs> but you both, in the space of a month, but sonos is an echoes.
1: Right? Well, see, that's there's a difference, Mike, between having a, a legitimate shopping problem like you used to have and doing research. Oh
2: come on! Right. it'll be an article. So it's a when well, I bought bits, the LGG right? watch whilst oh, uh, inebriated.
1: Th- <laughs> well, you answered already, Mike. I spoke about it on the show.
2: Yeah, it almost counts. Probably it works. Uh, blog about it. So, so I really like having the Echo in the kitchen because it's the the whole hands free experience. And you know, Siri could do this to a degree if it's in your pocket or you have an earbud or something. But. Uh, for instance, I always get like table tablespoons and teaspoons mixed up. Like when I'm trying to make something, like the the relationship between the two is just even when you and, try and say it and you even tablespoons,
0: you know which tablespoons. Teables- <laughs> the word tablespoon is maybe
1: one of the cutest words I've ever heard. <laughs> we should go into business. The tea bowl. Let's let's make a tea bowl. It's like a table just for tea.
2: Yeah. Tablespoons.
1: <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah.
2: uh, and so it's nice just to be able to say, hey, you know, uh, Alexa, remind me of whatever. And that sort of hands-free thing is the, mm. the big difference for me. Um, the Sonos definitely sounds better. Uh, the Sonos will live on in our house. Uh, I think I'm going to put it up on a shelf in our bathroom, actually. But
1: Oh, my God, it, yes. <laughs> That's a good yeah. idea. I'm all, about
2: <laughs> I'm all about shower music, and uh, yeah. it would be nice to have a good speaker in there. So uh, I think there's room for both in my household. What what about you, Federico? Are you going to hold on to both, or or do you know yet?
1: Yeah, I'm going to hold on to both, just because the Sonos sounds way better when you actually want to listen to music. You know, the bass, it's warmer and louder. It sounds great. Uh, But I've been using the Echo, so the experiment has been going very well. Um, I've been using it to turn on my coffee machine, which I, you know, I'm using my old uh, Belkin Wemo switch plug kind of thing. And it's nice because you can, um, the way that you can assign uh, uh, these uh, devices to Alexa is you create a group. And you can give the group a name, so instead of having to say "turn on my Belkin Wimo switch," you know, you can just assign a name like "coffee maker" or you know, "coffee machine," whatever. Uh, it's very nice. Mm. So I've been using the for that for lights, uh, unit conversions, like I told Mike last week. Uh, I've been using I've been using it a lot actually. Uh, you know, I uh, hook type my my camera to uh, to IFTTT, which works very nicely. What I've been doing a lot is. Um, listening to Spotify music with the Echo, uh, because I, you know, uh, as I shared uh, last week, I want to see if, you know, voice powered playback makes me listen to music more. And so far, uh, the, you know, the week long tests seems to suggest that I listen to music more if I don't have to go look for music, uh, in a, in a, in an app, um, And so I guess that also um, means that I'm using Spotify as a sort of trial again. uh, I've been streaming from Spotify... And not from Apple Music for the past week. You know, just because I wanted to see uh, things with the Echo and I want to see uh, what's new with Spotify in general. And uh, so what I didn't tell you guys privately is that I I wanted to create a new US uh, Spotify account. So I had to go through a whole process of faking an American IP address and buying (laughs) a, a Spotify gift card from a website online. Felt kinda shady.
0: Why didn't you just use the one you had before?
1: Because because I wanted to start one with fresh data. Uh just because you know this is experiments. I feel like it's best if I have a fresh account. And two, because I always I always wanted to have a US Spotify account because you get the good stuff first. Um mm. You know, so I was able to, uh, I'm also on the Spotify beta, so I can try the the beta stuff and the American stuff because it rolls out internationally. Uh, And in general, because (laughs) this is going to sound bad, uh, I don't want to see the Italian music recommendation and top charts. Like, I Mm -hmm. just don't care. I don't listen to Italian music. There's no way if you have an Italian Spotify account to say, yes, I live in Italy, but please never show me Italian stuff. Um, (laughs) It's like, I hate (laughs) European
0: music. Please stop showing me European music.
1: Please go away. There should be a toggle like remove European stuff. Uh, No, European, no, because is the UK European? I guess Uh, it is. Yeah, we don't don't count (laughs) it. Continental European music. Yes. There you go. Uh, Anyway, um, uh, a series of brief thoughts. Uh, I'm still waiting to see Discover Weekly, which is the the, 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 the Spotify feature that everyone is in love with lately. Uh, it supposedly starts working after two weeks of streaming. So in theory, next Monday, I should get my first uh, Discover Weekly playlist. So we'll see. Queue management is just plain stupid compared to Apple Music. So when you come back to Spotify from Apple Music, I seriously i couldn't figure out how to add songs to my app next queue and i still cannot figure it out and i thought it was a beta bug but i installed version 5 from the app store yesterday and it's still the same i just don't understand how you add a single song or an entire album next to the song you're currently listening to and also Please let me know either on Twitter or email. I just don't care. I want a solution. How do, can you start listening to an album right now without shuffling? So this is, seriously, there's no play icon for albums on Spotify. I just don't understand. Hmm. Um, what's nice, so. Um, Of course, the Echo integration is, you know, very, very cool. And uh, I can also search for playlists from other users, which is nice because I can uh, start listening with the Echo to playlists uh, by the Spotify team. So that's nice. Uh, I like that I don't have to like or, you know, love songs all the time, which I, you know... uh, I guess when you start using Apple Music, you get used to the idea that you sh- you're you supposed to train the service with the love uh, icon, it, but it's just nice and convenient not to have to tap the little icon all the time because, you know, Spotify just learns uh, on its own based on what you listen, what you skip. I don't know how Apple's algorithm works, uh, you know, if, he, if you actually don't need to press the love icon, but, but it's there for a reason, so I'm guessing that you're supposed to use it. Um, and also, uh, the, the Spotify recommendations are not bad at all. You know, they go in a little deeper than uh, the For You section of Apple Music. For some reason, in the For You uh, section of, uh, of, uh, of Apple Music, I still see a lot of intro to kind of playlists. And I, I really... Don't know if I need those because usually those artists I'm very familiar with. But Apple Music still gives me the, for example, intro to Ben Gibbard. Well, I mean, I listen to the entire Death Cab for Cutie catalog and I follow Ben Gibbard and I listen to a lot of his stuff. Why are you showing me an intro? You know, <laughs> uh, and I see a lot of those. Uh, whereas in Spotify, the it's not as nice or as visual, or as colorful, or as Apple Music. Uh, But it goes on a little deeper, you know, it shows you EPs, it shows you live uh, versions, uh, and it actually tells you, here's a recommendation for you based on these artists that you listen to. So that's nice, like, gives you an explanation. Uh, I I guess I'll be back on Apple Music, or maybe, maybe I'll just use both, you know? At some point, I just gotta accept the fact that I like both. Maybe. I don't know. We'll see.
0: Well, you're mainly Um, using Spotify because you want the access on the Echo, though, right? Yeah,
1: exactly. And I mean, it's not happening anytime soon with Apple Music, you know. Mm -hmm. They're not going to do an an Amazon Echo integration. Yeah. Doesn't (laughs) seem like they're going to do a Siri speaker either. So, you know, maybe I'll just use both. Instead of having the day iPhone and day night iPhone or dual iPad setup like Mike imagined, uh, I'm just going to have the dual streaming setup.
0: I'm still waiting, and, and I think I'm going to have to give it a little bit more time to find out what you two are actually doing with this thing that makes mm. it worthwhile as a product. Like It, it just feels like currently uh you're just both playing music on it predominantly <laughs> so i'm going to wait to see how this unfolds but i mean i'm interested but i'm not i'm not going to ebay yet
1: oh you know what i also did a couple of days ago i asked alexa to tell me uh like alexa what's new and you can listen to snippets of news from like npr and other places which was cool
0: yeah i mean i just I don't. Know. I just don't see it yet. I just don't. I just don't see it. I get yeah, yeah. any of that stuff from apps on my phone. Like I feel mm-hmm. like I need to understand a little bit more about what can be done with it. But maybe yeah. it's one of those things that you got to have it to really get it.
1: Maybe we'll see. We will we'll
2: keep you posted, Mike.
0: Now, Stephen, I believe we are still uh, deep within the follow-up
2: segment. We are. We we have not left the field of follow-up yet. So we talked about the app store release note thing uh, a couple weeks ago uh, when, Mike, when you were out sick. And last week you guys followed up on these this comment that uh, developers may be putting in update notes that are vague, so Apple, you know, their update review team, they don't really know what to look for. And so to kind of throw them off the scent in, in hopes uh, that rejection uh, rate would go down, potentially. And uh, and i knew this um but i didn't think of it to put it in the document uh before you guys recorded but uh the what is in these release notes can be changed it really at any time right so you can you can have an update you can submit it to the store and you can change those notes once it has been approved and uh clearly you know facebook and and we'll keep picking on them but i think they're the biggest um them and twitter are probably the two biggest defenders of this where they just don't and and all you get in the app store is hey we update this every week for reasons and you should download it and uh, clearly that shows that while there may be some strategy there and to keep uh, apple off the scent of what they're fixing in their apps i think that they just do this um not necessarily out of laziness but i think that they think that people don't care about it and you know, saying oh we fixed these 100 bugs then are you walking around thinking oh my gosh this Facebook app must have hundreds more bugs who knows what it's doing right and if you just say hey we're improving it you know we're polishing it then you can avoid that whole negativity around uh, bug fixes so I don't know it's still complicated I still agree with you guys that uh, I wish companies would put more detail into there but uh, clearly just hiding it from Apple is not uh, apparently not the only thing maybe no. at play here
0: they just have detail they don't want to share.
2: I also want to talk about uh, you guys last week. Uh, of course, a lot of people were talking about this, the software quality discussion. And uh, Mike, you mentioned something that I really liked and um, about this idea that maybe it is um, not so much that bugs are getting through, but it's some sort of like attention to detail issue or some uh, design issue that is is leading to, to these frustrations uh, on people's parts. And um, that the lack of crashers and the perceived uptick in little fiddly bugs, um, you know, maybe this is Apple just not paying attention at the edges. And uh, it reminded me of this quote that's out of the Walter Isaacson book. And I'm just going to read it to you guys real quick. Um, uh, so this is talking about Paul Jobs, Steve Jobs' uh, father. Uh, Paul Jobs was a salt-of-the-earth guy who was a great mechanic, and he taught his son Steve how to make great things. And once they were building a fence, and he said, You've got to make sure the back of the fence that nobody will see is just as good looking as the front of the fence. Even though nobody will see it, and this is the important part, you will know. And that will show that you are dedicated to making something perfect. So this idea that the details matter even if no one else will ever see them. Like that resonates with me in this conversation of software quality. That, you know, the three of us, we live at the edge cases, right? We're not uh, typical users and people who listen to this show and who read Daring Fireball, and all, you know this community we're in. We're not the typical user. We we live sort of at the edges of what these systems and software and everything are designed to do. And I think that as Apple has grown, their attention has shifted to something a little more mainstream, and that's that's fine. I'm not I'm not saying they shouldn't. But I think that what we're seeing is that the edges like the, the back of the fence if you will uh, in this Isaacson quote um like that's kind of where we are and clearly that stuff is not getting the attention it once did and so we see these rough edges and these unfinished corners and uh you know I wish Apple would finish them and put some paint on them and, and make them right but uh I do think Michael you were really onto something in that that line of conversation
0: yeah, I've been thinking about it a little bit more. I just think it's it is this. It's not that things are buggy, and it's you know it's it's not necessarily that it's not things things are crashing. So it's stuff you can't really measure. It's just that maybe things aren't spending as much time in the oven as they used to. Yeah. Um and then because of that, there is less of an ability, or you know that that's what I think. It's more of a less of an ability, than a lesser care that things just don't have the same attention to detail that they once did.
2: Right, and I, I agree with you. Hopefully I didn't portray otherwise. I, I don't think this is a lack of care. I, I think that you were absolutely right that they, uh, as Apple has grown their range of products and as they speed up their deadlines, that stuff just gets out the door. And, you know, I've never talked to anyone from Apple. I've never heard anyone from Apple speak and and not show great care over these sort of uh, complaints. And And even though I don't love everything that was said in that episode of the talk show— and the oh at least it didn't crash to become a meme a little bit already um that uh, i think they do care and i think that you're right that the stuff is is like they're, they're sort of hanging on by their fingertips in some areas and um you know they've staffed up a lot but that's not an immediate fix uh in some ways that can can be the opposite of an immediate fix yeah but it is something to consider that as apple grows and does more that the quality uh, especially in these details right like Like yes, like Apple Music works, but then it gets weird if you have a bunch of like custom stuff or uh, photos works. Unless you turn it off and then turn it back on, in which case it overrides your library and you're sad and you write a blog post. Um, These things are solvable, and I think that the the time is definitely something to to consider. I mean, uh, thinking back over the history of OS X, you know, uh, releases like Tiger and Leopard were. Um, you know, Tiger was out a long time and uh, it, it you know, Leopard had its issues when it came out, but you know, those OS's, the the, the dot zeros of those OS's were not perfect. Like, i uh, not wearing rose colored glasses here. Uh, in fact, I had big issues with 1040 on my power book, but who didn't? Yeah, <laughs> but uh, but overall. I do feel like there was a level of polish and concern that we don't see now, and um, that is uh, something definitely to talk about and definitely to worry about. I would like to
0: uh, mention a moment of great personal success. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Please Uh, do. As we record uh, on the 24th of February, 2016, yesterday, um, Apple announced that um, pencil support for scrolling and interacting with the interface on the ipad pro which was missing in the 9.3 beta is going to return during the beta cycle and will remain in 9.3 which is fantastic it makes me very happy um i hope and like to think that my complaining along with gray on cortex and and other places and other people writing gray articles has helped apple see the light in this um I think that contrary to the statement uh, that was given from Apple, depending on how you read it, I think it can can play slightly differently. Uh, my belief and understanding is that this is a reverse decision, not a, oh, we were always planning to have it in there. Um, and I think the way you can read that The statement even says that if you read it in full, I think, when they say that they understand some customers like to use the pencil for this and we've been working on ways to better implement this while maintaining compatibility during the latest beta cycle. So they're going to be putting it back in, uh, having taken it out because they probably wanted to kill it. And I just wanted to uh, mention both of your link posts to this because I thought it was really funny, both of them, and they'll be in the show notes. (laughs) Uh <laughs> Federica says this has to be my favorite Michael's right so far. And I'm agree I agree. I actually can't read Steven's link post uh because I would have to bleep it on air, so you can go and check it out for yourself, would be another. <laughs> uh, and me and Gray are recording next week, and I'm very excited.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: I'm really pleased they decided to do this. Yes. I think it was a decision that they made because they didn't like the fact that people were using the devices that way, not fully understanding how important it was to the current user base.
1: So what I, what what I heard uh, from the beginning was that it was a decision uh, for the iOS 9.3 beta one, and but that they they were open to change, and of course change didn't happen for for uh, you know for betas, and eventually people you know. We're giving Apple the benefit of the doubt, and uh, just a few days ago, like it all exploded.
0: Yeah, basically, over Monday and Tuesday, things got really hot on yeah. this issue.
1: And you can see clearly Apple reacting to the news cycle uh, and giving a statement, not to a Mac you know, or Apple-focused publication, but to The Verge, which is a general you know, tech yeah, website. Other
0: places, I more did get the statement, but The Verge got it first,
1: I yeah. think. Uh, the Verge got it first and to, I mean, it's obviously, you know, uh, they, they made a decision in the first beta, you know, uh, let's just try and we don't like it that people are using the pencil, but you know, maybe we'll see. It doesn't change for four betas. People are telling Apple, well, you know, actually the pencil support for navigation was, you know, was helping people, uh, with, uh, with, you know, RSI problems. I got a, I got a tweet from a reader, um he says, I'm doing chemo and my, my hands mm-hmm. are swelling and, you know, it's just more comfortable to use the, the pencil with the, you know for navigation instead of my fingers. And I totally understand because, you know, I can relate to that. Uh, so Apple saw the, you know, people having a bunch of different and valid reasons and they decided to change it for the next beta. Now, what I want to know is, is this going to be a setting? Is this going to be an accessibility as a few people, including you and CGP uh, suggested, or is it just going to be like he, like it he used to be you connect the pencil and you can do everything
0: again who knows if this stuff is real but i've heard no saying
1: hmm. all right
0: well, yeah you know, we'll see what actually happens but i i think at least in 93 it won't be a saying maybe later maybe when they actually add more functionality which i think is the reason they were doing this in the first place yeah um, but we'll have to wait and see i'm just pleased because i've missed using my pencil uh, as much and and I'm happy that it's going to be coming back um, this was you know I think for a lot of people that would, were involved in trying to get this decision changed like Gray and and Ren and myself because uh, Serenity wrote a great piece on iMore which also helped highlight some of these issues um, the reason that we were upset about this and trying to get it to change is because we really really care about using our devices in this way so I'm very very pleased that Apple decided to reverse the decision. I think it was the right yeah. thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. All right. Should we take a break? Let's do it. Yeah. This week's episode is brought to you by Smile and PDF Pen, your Swiss army knife for working with PDFs. Which was this Swiss army knife? I love this saying, right? Because it really does feel like that. Because with PDF pen, you have access to so many features. It's like bursting with PDF features. You can fill in and sign forms. You can make edits. You can highlight stuff. You can even OCR text. I was doing this uh, yesterday. Somebody sent me um, some ad copy that we needed for a sponsorship. But they sent me a PDF. Now, I need to take that copy and turn it into Markdown and i was struggling to get it like i was trying to highlight it in outlook and it wasn't working like it would only uh, like highlight a word not the entire text that i needed so i opened it in pdf pen and i was able to use its so ocr character recognition to copy all of the text and put it into one writer so i could manipulate it into markdown this is the type of stuff that you're able to do with pdf pen and this was all on ios i was doing this you know i, I think that this app is so fantastic for anybody that works with PDFs. And I work with PDFs frequently. And you can take it to the next level when you use functions like redaction, word export, which is so useful to me, page numbering, and even Bates numbering, which I don't even understand. But I, my understanding is this is a good thing. Uh, does anybody here know what Bates numbering is? It's no. Okay.
1: Um, no? <laughs> no.
0: I assume it's something really important, though. But, you know, if you need it. It to be. Yeah. yeah, Exactly. If you need it, then you got it. And with PDF Pen for iPad and iPhone, which I love the most, you'll be able to take control of contracts and forms no matter where you are. You can enjoy that paperless office that you've always wanted. No more printing, scanning, and faxing. You can fill in and sign with PDF Pen on any of your devices, and you'll be on your way. Smile offers 10 great tutorials from the talented Mr. David Sparks. These short videos will teach you everything that you need to know about PDF Pen 7. You can learn all about PDF Pen for the Mac and iOS at smilesoftware.com slash connected. PDF Pen 7 and PDF Pen Pro 7 require OS 10 Yosemite and work beautifully on El Capitan. And PDF Pen for iOS is available from the App Store. Thank you so much to Smile for their support of this show. Bates numbering, huh? Yeah. What does it it's mean? It's a thing. Nobody knows. Alright, so um, the FBI.
2: Yes, they're listening right now. <laughs> probably. Yeah. What do you want to say about this? Uh I mean this is an ongoing thing and and you guys even spoke on upgrade this week that uh it's obviously complicated. I, I really just wanted to point um listeners to to three links if they hadn't um if they hadn't seen them yet. Uh the first is a blog post by the FBI director that came out over the weekend that basically says, hey, look, we're not looking for precedent. This is about one phone. Uh, I don't really believe him when he says that. Uh, wanted to point people to Apple's FAQ, which I think uh, if you have anyone in your life like I do who is confused about this or doesn't know what's going on, it's like the place to go to to kind of understand it from Apple's perspective. Um, the last one is an article written by uh, Ben Thompson that I think is probably the most definitive piece I've read on this in the sense of not necessarily the technical details. I think there's room for that, but uh, just kind of where this case fits into the overall like world of both technology and politics. And uh, Ben's article is really good. Um, and it's, it's uh public over on, on his site. And so we'll have a link to that in the show notes as well. You know, I think that it's, um, Probably pretty clear with the three of us staying on this. Um, we all support the FBI, right? Like that's no, that's our stance. No, not at all. Nope. Th- oh no. I got no, it so wrong.
0: <laughs> no, it's not.
2: Uh, I mean, I'm not. Um, you know, I'm not picketing in front of an Apple store, but I think that Apple is um, is in the right here.
0: <laughs> Something that I have, it's been rattling around in my brain a little bit is like I support the idea of trying to keep people safe. Like fundamentally, I I respect that. And law enforcement like there are people in this whole thing that are trying to do what they think is the right thing. Right. You yeah. mean, I, My assumption would be there are I believe that there are people in this scenario that are trying to do bad things, but I believe that there are also people that are trying to do the right thing. And I appreciate that. And and I can tell, I think we can all tell that Apple does too in so much as they have tried to provide them with the tools necessary to do this without breaking the passcode, right? They, they tried to do it with the iCloud backups and all that sort of stuff. Because I think there's something to be said for getting this kind of information. This was a terrible thing that happened and this, you know, to help... Gather intelligence about these types of things to try and prevent stuff in the future. That's why this happens. That's why this is important, right? But what is happening in this specific case, everything seems to have all got twisted up and it's become this like horrible thing that Mm -hmm. is happening that we would all prefer doesn't happen. And, you know, without getting too like enthusiastic, Mm -hmm. Apple is taking a real bullet on this one because this is not gonna be popular with the general public. Like it's just not. I was having some conversations with some family members. A lot of them expect that Apple's up to no good. Like not that they're doing something bad, but like all of this is some kind of marketing ploy. You know? Yeah. And and, and you can you can really see why people would think that. But we're all of the opinion that that's not the case. This is a real... This is a absolute PR nightmare, right?
2: Yes. I don't... Uh, I agree with you that I can see why people sort of view the the marketing angle. But um, I think that that's a pretty narrow view of it. I think that it's a much more important topic, a much bigger topic than even Apple's own well-being. Like, say Apple loses this and it you know sets off some sort of chain reaction that you know destroys the iphone and whatever i mean that's ridiculous but like you have to think that's on their mind right that if they if they go if they win or lose apple uh loses here really i think either way to yeah. to large segments of the population that that sort of letter that tim cook wrote and even this faq like there's not much winning in that from nope. uh the broad public but I think that, that Tim Cook, I think that Apple, I think that those of us who agree with him see it as more important than that. And that's really why that particular line of thinking bugs me so much, because like, that's such a narrow, it's such a small view of this. And But
0: like you know there are people in Apple's PR department that were like, can we not do this? Oh, like, no, I would I'm, really like it if we didn't do this.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, my, my, you know, maybe it's, it's romanticizing things, but my thought is that people said that and they were like, but it's worth it. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, you know, we haven't heard of anything like resignations over it or anything like that. So, I, from everything I've seen from Apple employees who I know, it's 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 a solid it's a solid line. They're all mm-hmm. they're all behind it. And um, you know, it's just it's really interesting because at the key at the at the heart of this is uh, there's a lot of misunderstanding on, pe- on people's parts of what it actually is and what they're actually asking for. And I think the FAQ that Apple written, yes, it's on Apple's website. So some people might take fault with that, but. I think even Ben's article goes into like what the FBI actually wants from Apple and and what it means today, but more importantly, what it means for tomorrow. And it's come out that you know there's a whole bunch of other phones that the government may want uh, access to through this this new version of iOS that they've requested Apple build. But it's all very messy, and uh, I think that the best thing anyone can do, like regardless of what you think, is just to to be informed on it and not to just take, you know, that sort of conversation you had with, you know, like your family member, but like go uh, educate yourself on it because it is uh, massively important. And while it is, yes, it is just one iPhone, and and yes, what happened. Uh, in this case is is horribly heartbreaking. The ramifications of it are huge and not just limited to your iphone right that that um this if this is allowed to happen then um it does it does sort of put us into a new world uh when it comes to encryption and how the government treats it and mm-hmm. that's all super important so uh we'll leave those links in the show notes.
1: Can I just make a statement before Please. we move on? I want to just share my position as a...
2: Federico is going to step up to the mic.
1: As a European, uh, I- I'm a strong believer uh, that the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. I, I think Spock said that on Star Trek. Uh, and and I believe that, and I find it... Uh, it's a terrible tragedy, right? But I find it very sad that... Uh, it, it there's a good chance that in the future in America, it's going to be easier to buy guns than to buy a fully encrypted phone, you know? And I'm a strong yeah. believer that, uh, that, you know, encryption is better for everyone. And sure, it also enables, you know, criminals to hide their conversations. But it's, you know, there's an excellent article on Medium, um, from uh, James, you know, the uh, I can't remember the last name. He co-hosts uh the Exponent podcast with Ben Thompson. Um I just uh, it, j- it just mind-boggling to me. Uh what's going on with the US government? So, you know, uh, I don't want to talk about politics usually on the podcast, but it's just, you know, I feel like I wanted to share my position and I know that I'm going to upset some people and it's fine because, you know, we uh, we are entitled to our own beliefs. Uh, so, yeah, it's a ugly story, uh, terrible tragedy, very sad. And it's going to get worse from a technological point of view, also. Uh, we'll see what happens.
2: Yeah. So, let's move to something with less FBI over two yes. <laughs> So, the FBI, you, you can hang up on the Skype call now. We got it from here. I want to talk to you guys a little bit about this watch that I'm wearing, if you guys would like to hear it.
1: Yeah. We no, saw we saw the review Steven on the website. So Yes,
2: I I had a weird moment. Uh maybe you guys have this um where like you're doing something for your website or for a podcast and like you realize it looks completely insane from the outside. So I'm just standing in my kitchen with like an expensive camera. Um I brought some lights in and I'm like taking a picture of my wrist. Like <laughs> it's like what what am I doing? Like this is this makes no sense. It's bringing the lights in that
0: makes it actual weird.
2: Yeah, well, no, my, my, you've been in my kitchen. It's not very well lit. It's also very green, which makes it for an exciting photo background.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, so, this is a, a little moment in my independent life of like, what is what is happening? Um, I actually had one yesterday while we're on the topic. I had one yesterday as well, uh, finishing up my Quick Take and Eyesight video. And I was doing like some slider shots with a Quick Take camera. Like, I'm actually in the studio today, and there's like you know, this big white background we built and lights and everything. And someone like came in to like ask me something. I was like, uh, yeah, this is my job. I know it looks crazy.
0: <laughs> it's like you've been caught doing something. Mm.
2: Yeah. No, it, it's exactly <laughs> like, it's exactly like someone's like, uh, what you doing, buddy? Like, <laughs> let me see your hands. Um, <laughs> anyways, so, uh, this watch. <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> Uh, okay so the uh the company who we cannot agree I don't know how to pronounce their name uh Wythings I'm going to go with Wythings gonna Yeah, with hard eye. Yeah. I'm going take a stance um uh the Activite pop is uh one it's a they have a whole line of these watches um the pop is sort of like the the cheaper one not as not as nice finishes as the the more expensive ones but uh it's like 150 bucks um on Amazon prime and it is uh, a watch that has a step counter built in. So it's interesting. Fitbit has done this sort of from the other angle where they started with like just a little puck that you clipped on your belt and then a wristband. And, um, they are now sort of adding more like watch like things to it. So you don't have a weird picture of wearing a watch on one wrist and a Fitbit on the other. But, uh, why well, things has really started in, in my, f- approximation my feeling about this is they have started with the watch and then made the watch like also happen to have a step counter not the other way around like looking at this thing um even in this picture if I didn't explain what that sub dial I uh, thank you Marco Armit for helping me with my watch terminology I ran this by him I was like what do you call all these things on a watch um you would never know the sub dial was actually a step counter and just looking at it. it just says you know zero to a hundred has a little dial but this thing looks like a normal watch you know uh, in a meeting or out coffee shop or something, no one's going to look over and think that you have um, anything else besides a regular watch. And I like that. I never got over the self-conscious factor of wearing the Apple watch. And there's, that just doesn't exist with this product. Um, and it's a pretty good little step counter. You know, my review, I walked through a couple issues they have. I wish it was a little more flexible in some areas. Um, I think you could do a lot more with that than just count steps. Like, I would love to be able to set, hey, I want to stand 12 hours a day and then count my progress towards that. Uh, that's really what I would, that's what I'm more interested in the step counting right now, is just making sure I just get up. And <laughs> as you guys work at home, you know how this goes. Like, mm-hmm. a whole day can go by and you haven't gone anywhere. Um, but overall, I think, I think what I've come out of this with is that a, like, what I have sort of like, uh, called in my head of like a cell like a semi smart watch where this thing can do step counting you can set an alarm on it it obviously has bluetooth but uh it runs on a regular watch battery for like they say like eight to ten months um that is basically a watch just with a little bit more like that is more compelling to me right now than uh, a little computer on my wrist for reasons we've talked about in the past but um I don't know I think it's an interesting little product and I've enjoyed wearing it like the way it looks I'm wearing it basically every day and um and yeah so it's there you go
0: all right I have many I have many thoughts okay okay so uh eight month battery life is really good uh however eight months for a watch with a watch battery is kind of frustrating as great as it sounds because you don't actually do that with watches you don't
2: change their batteries every eight months Right, um, and that's—I mean—that the trade-off, I guess, is that because it does have a Bluetooth radio and it's doing all this stuff. Yeah. That uh, I agree with you. That that's a weak point. I'd like to see it be a year uh, or more, but I think that it's better than every day.
0: Well, yeah, but see, this gets into not the same territory. But like I was explaining it to somebody the other day, and they were like extolling the virtues that their pebble lasts seven days, but that's that sort of battery life is a problem. Like, and the reason I think so is you don't get into a routine. My Apple watch goes down on its charging cradle every night right right that's where it lives yeah. when I take it off to pebble i didn't bother with that because it lasted seven days, but that always meant that it died on me in the day because i I'd, I'd never had a a routine for charging it
2: uh I agree with you and I, I think that's really um A good point. Now, I'm actually opening the app right now. I'm not sure. I believe I've read it on the support page, but I so don't take this as as gospel. But I believe that it will send you a notification at a certain point saying, Mm. Hey, uh, you know, you need to, you know, drop in a jewelry store and get the watch replaced. It even actually comes with a tool to open the back. Um, It's got waterproofing in there. So I'm probably just going to take it to like the jewelry store around the corner from my house and just have them put a watch in it or put a battery in it. Um, so I do believe that you, I, I believe you do get a heads up, but I agree with you that it does lack that um, routine. And that really is important. I think that's why it's important to watch the Apple watch last one day instead of like two or like 18 hours, you know, that, that it is, um, uh, it is a daily thing. I think that is important.
0: So for me, just step counting and okay sleep tracking like that i i it's not enough for me to wear a device like this, like I would just get a nice watch like i for me, it's either something like a computer on my wrist or a nice watch like I don't really feel like I would want an in between product like this. I feel like it's not doing enough to justify the fact that I would wear it like just a step counter and it's a good looking watch, or I can get an amazing looking watch. Right, like a really nice watch, like like the stuff that Marco Arment is is getting now. Right, like I'll put a link in to his post uh, in our show notes in case you haven't seen it. The watches that he's looking at are beautiful. That's what I would want to go down that route rather than something down the Wy- withings, wythings route. Mm-hmm. If I wanted to just track my steps, I would get a nice watch and a Fitbit.
2: Yeah, and and I guess um, I think if. All you care about is the Fitbit-like stuff. Something like this is nice because it is all in one. But um, but yeah, if you want the notifications or like, uh, if you want complications for this, like I would, one of my complaints I write in the review is that I wish this had a complication for the date. I just all the time look down when I'm signing something, I'm like I don't know what day it is, and then I end up pulling out my my phone. Um, so yeah, I, I I see what you're saying, and I think that if you do want more, like that's why smartwatches are a thing. But I think there there is a segment of the population, um, and I'm, I'm maybe one of them, that uh, the step counting is enough. That that's you know, I just want a little note on how I'm doing throughout the day, and I want a watch that doesn't look like a Fitbit. And um, and uh, I think the market's big enough for all that stuff to exist. Um, but mm-hmm. but I definitely I understand what you're saying completely.
0: I wanted to. Just- uh, draw out a quote from your article. You say, I think it's the end. Uh, the longer the Apple Watch sits on my nightstand, the more I think that a regular watch with just a little bit of technology is a better solution for me than a full blown computer on my wrist, which you basically just said a moment ago. But I think this is just interesting to me to watch people sour on the watch. Um, you know, we mentioned Marco yourself, and, and there's a few other people that I know that are maybe not wearing theirs as much anymore. And mine definitely frustrates me. Um, It's unresponsive. It's slow at points. But I've actually come to really like it um, as a device. Like, it gives me the information I need, and it allows me to perform quick tasks. I am a big fan of the complications, like setting timers. I do that every day when I'm cooking, and I like being able to do it directly on the watch. It's very quick and easy to do that. Um, I like my weather complication, my carrot weather, and I like my calendar stuff fantastic now. Like, there is a long way to go in some places on the Apple Watch. But overall, I am ha- a happy wearer and user of mine. Um, but I, I see why people are, are moving away from it. But for me personally, like, as I said, I would either go one way or the other. Like, a, a device like this, whilst I see why you like it, like, it's not enough for me. Like, if I'm going to have something to track in my activity, I also want something that's going to give me information.
1: yeah. Yeah, I agree with Mike. Um I don't love the Apple Watch as much as I was hoping I would love the Apple Watch, uh, but it's also, you know, it gives me the stuff that I want, which is timers, notifications, you know, being able to glance at things like messages and emails. Um it's it in many areas it's a flawed product, uh mainly because of the not capable hardware and the software limitations but it's also, you know, I haven't worn an a, a watch in decades, really, and I'm wearing the Apple watch because it's convenient, uh, but I'm intrigued by, you know, by Steven's approach, uh, because it's not wearing a traditional watch, uh, which at this point, uh, I don't want to say that I don't understand, I, I do understand, you know, they're nice to look at, and they make for nice accessories, but if you know, I'm putting something on my wrist. I want some functionality. You know, that's uh, in terms of software functionality. Mm-hmm. Uh, Steven's approach is somewhere in the middle, and I, I and I'm intrigued. You know, because there's a, I believe there's a lot of people who don't want to buy an Apple Watch just because it's a, you know, it's expensive or they don't have an iPhone. You know, um, we recently uh, bought as a present um, uh, to, a, rel- to uh, a relative of you know of our family. Um, Uh, one of those um, uh, fitness bands from, I think it's called the Vivo Fit. It's a Garmin uh, product. Um, And, you know, we thought about buying uh, an Apple Watch, but of course that was out of the question because it's just too expensive. Uh, We were like, you know, we were putting together uh, the money as five people uh, and an Apple Watch was too expensive. But something like uh, why things, you know, this activity pop... uh, it strikes a balance of, you know, it looks like a watch, but it's also like it's got these features that work with the phone. Uh, I think it makes more sense to me than a traditional watch. You know, I'm, from that point of view, I'm the opposite of Mike. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I, I'm, you know, I want to see, Stephen, if like a year from now you're still wearing this or like four months from now, it'll be interesting.
2: Yeah, and there's there's a lot to the Apple Watch that is still so attractive to me. That the frustration, uh, Mike, that you spoke about, and, and some of these little things that it just doesn't nail. Um, those sort of like kept grating on me, like this like a burring into my mind of like I need it to uh, wake up when I pick up my wrist, or you know, um, and that stuff is getting better, I think. And um, but it was like it just was like death by a thousand little cuts, um, and I think that the I think while the software has issues, I think that the core issue for the watch for me is just that it's slow and um, I can put up with, you know, not super fast um, and I can put up with to a degree little bugs, but like together it was just a one, two punch that was just too much for me. Um, So I'm going to, you know, I'm not saying that I'm uh, never going back to the Apple watch I mean I'm still wearing it some days that I'm busy. It's still really nice, but like I've spoken about here a lot you know my life has changed and it's not as useful to me as it once was and uh and that's fine you know there's like i said there's lots of products for lots of different types of people but I, what i think is most interesting out of all of this is that uh, like you said there there is this sort of theme with some people we know that you know hey maybe this isn't you know what we were uh what we were hoping for out of this product and and like you federico said that you don't love it the way that you hoped you would or that maybe you did at the beginning and that is really interesting, and I don't I don't think that the Apple Watch is doomed by any stretch of the imagination, but I think it shows that it is still very much a satellite product and still very much something that is optional. Um, none of us are saying that about our iPhones, and at least the three of us, none of us are saying about our iPads either. Um, and maybe the watch just suffers for, from what the iPad suffers from for a lot of other people, that, hey, this is great. Um, but I don't really see how it fits in my life. It's not really—I don't really have room for a third product, and and maybe there's some of us that don't have room for a fourth, and um, and that's fine. Like it's fine, but it's something that uh, I'm not sure Apple, you know, Apple pitched this as like this is going to be great, and it's just it's just not great uh, for everyone, and it'd be interesting to see how the how Apple responds to that with the next one or with the next software update. Are they going to? Um, like a lot of people have suggested, are they going to really focus on one of these areas and say, "Look, you know, we're really going to focus on the fitness this year and really going to make that great"? Because right now, the Apple Watch does a lot of stuff, and a lot of that stuff isn't doesn't knock it out of the park. And I think it'd be really interesting to see them pick one thing and really make it great, and and maybe dial back the app thing a little bit. And I don't know; it's just going to be interesting to see what they do. And I think that I think they got to do something. Uh, and I think that holding uh the course is probably not for the best, but um, I guess I guess we'll see later this year
0: this week's episode is also brought to you by Igloo the internet you'll actually like if you work in a company that uses an internet product, I can with some strong certainty, unless you're using Igloo, of course, guarantee that it is a product. It is something you're not very happy with. It's maybe like it was for me, something that you're tied to using just the machine that you use in your office building to be able to get access to. And because of that, it's pretty out of date. Nobody uses it. And there's just a bunch of crap in there that you're not really interested in. All of this will change when you use Igloo because Igloo makes it so easy for you to access, use, and put and customize your internet. You can manage your task list. You can have task lists in there from your laptop during a meeting. You can share status updates with your colleagues, like you know how you would do on social media. You can do all of that with an Igloo. You can do that from your phone because it's beautifully responsive, and you can also access files. There's all file sharing and collaboration built into igloo you can do this wherever you want you can do this at home you can be in your pajamas you can be in the garden it doesn't matter igloo is mobile because everything is mobile these days your work should be mobile too this is what igloo believe in i mentioned configuring and customizing you can completely rebrand your igloo make Have the complete look and feel of your team, and you can create specific group spaces for different teams in your company to just give them the features that they need, and everything is drag and drop. You can, I mentioned about uh, sharing files, they have their collaboration engine, so you can upload files to Igloo. They have red receipts on them, so you know if somebody has seen a specific document, and you can also integrate. Services like Box and Google Drive and Dropbox into Igloo's easy to secure platform to stop documents from going outside of your company and into people's personal accounts. You don't want all of that. You can integrate them all in to Igloo. They have 256 bit encryption, single sign on, and Active Directory integrations. They all sound like really important things that I'm sure the people in your IT department would love to hear it's time to break away from an internet that you hate go and sign up for igloo right now you can try it out for free with any team of up to 10 people for as long as you want that is an awesome deal 10 people if you have a team smaller than that you can use igloo forever for free go to igloo connected thank you so much to igloo for their continued support of this show and the glorious relay fm
2: glorious i like that yeah i
0: thought, I thought i'd throw that in there why not all right. So Federico Viticci uh that's wrote me. another wrote another little book uh <laughs> this week. you have to put it on iBooks, man. It makes it a book. What was the word count? Uh 10,000. 10,000. So that's a book. <laughs> yeah, not the worst. It it didn't crash Chrome, so we're doing okay. Uh you wrote a what I consider to be fantastic article um about using the iPad for work and how that has continued to evolve and become more central in your life and how we're basically down to just this as yes. the only thing that you need to use a Mac for. Um, yes. and We'll come to that shortly. Uh, but why did you want to write this article, Federico? I mean, you, you speak about the iPad all the time. You're always writing stuff about the iPad. What compelled you to write this specific article?
1: Well, I, I like anniversaries. I like birthdays in general. And I thought... Uh, at the end of uh, maybe the last week of January, I thought, well, you know, the anniversary of uh, the iPad article from last year is coming up. I should probably, you know, do some follow up. And it, it all started as a quick follow up. You know, I just wanted to update people uh, primarily on two things, the iPad Pro. Um, which I reviewed in November, I wanted to uh, share with people, you know, this is what I've been doing. And also the impact of uh, iOS 9 so far, because uh, it's easy to judge a new OS when it comes out. You know, you take a look at the new features, you describe what they do, and you try to assess some of the utility of those features. And you imagine how you might want to use them, right? Yeah, and you 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 try to guess what's gonna happen, uh, but it's another thing to kind of let a, let a few months pass and uh, look back and see and you know write about the experience, uh, and that's what I wanted to do. And um, so I started to write and plan that article um, as a quick follow up, and it was in a very different form uh, I- initially. It was uh, this quick follow up from a technical perspective, and it got that uh, and there was that introduction about, you know, uh, sort of uh, looking back at six years of iPad and some of the problems, uh, some of the struggles uh, that Apple faced uh, in terms of, you know, marketing and sales and, uh, you know, uh, iOS and the Apple community itself, you know. But then I got stuck <laughs> uh, when I was writing the article because I the, the follow-up section uh, just didn't seem exciting to me, you know. It was boring. So I I was texting Mike uh, uh because I was stuck I didn't know what to do and um I let a few days pass so I took a break from the article uh like 3 or 4 days and then one evening I was uh washing my dishes and I was just thinking about you know other stuff and then it just came to me uh, it was like you know the the, the, the metaphorical uh light bulb turning on in my brain it was mm-hmm. like yes uh, I gotta write about what I do with club Max stories. Uh, I, you know, I've been working on my iPad, uh, you know, managing the newsletters, managing the club members creating the content for the newsletters. And this is a new topic uh, that I've never talked about. So last year, I wrote about the iPad for Mac Stories. This year, I'm going to write about, you know, putting together the newsletters. So it came to me, and uh, here here we are, guys.
0: (laughs) So we mentioned at the top of the show um, a reason why we're late and, you know, and why we're not streaming live this week. And it's because most likely your Mac uh, was upset about the way that you spoke about it in the article and it struck back at you. And uh, what happened to you on Monday?
1: Well, I just wanted to plug in my MagSafe connector, and it wasn't working anymore. <laughs> so I left it. The last time that I opened my MacBook, which was the last time I recorded a show, um, it was okay. Uh, plug in my my MagSafe on Monday and doesn't work anymore. Doesn't turn on. Uh, so I, you know, I bought a new MagSafe from Amazon, and it showed up today, which is the reason why we're recording today. Uh, and I thought it was, the timing was amusing. You know, yeah. Uh, I talk about my macbook and uh, the, the the single reason why i'm still using os 10 and sure enough uh it doesn't turn on anymore uh <laughs> thank you yes. macbook screw you buddy <laughs> yes basically
2: I, I liked what you said in the um in the article about uh os 10 though that you know your move away from it really doesn't have much to do with the mac itself right i mean it's it's about what the ipad offers instead and um as the the Mac user of the group. Uh I appreciated that. That it, you know so many people in this conversation, and I think we're gonna get to some of that, um, make it about one versus the other, sort of in a negative way, but in reality it's that the iPad works better for the way that you want to work. And it's not that, you know, the Mac is a is a is a garbage heap. So thank you. <laughs> Appreciate that.
1: Yeah, I mean, um I I generally believe that that OS 10 is a I mean it's fantastic and you know Macbooks are especially the latest ones I'm I'm a big fan of the design and you know the I just they're great machines right and it's just I don't need them anymore and I don't want them because i want my computer to be different and to be you know apps that i can touch uh 4g internet built in i want a screen that i can hold and you know rotate uh and and i think the both ios and os 10 are mature enough uh to help people make this choice. Do I want to use an iPad? Do I want to use a Mac? Do I want to use both? And having choice is great, you know, because uh, uh, you can use whatever works best for you. And and it, it sounds so obvious that, you know, you, you, sh- you shouldn't even be supposed to make that kind of statement, but uh, there are still people who, you know, take sides in a very bitter fashion. <laughs> so, you know... I I feel like you want to use an iPad, you want to use a Mac. Everyone's fine. It's much better to talk about what could be better, what could be improved, and how you can take advantage of an iPad or a MacBook instead of arguing. You know, my decision is better than yours, which is silly.
0: So, Agreed. what what could be better and what could be improved about the iPad? <laughs> so, 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 what, so many things. <laughs> of course, but I want to want to get some ideas from you, like what do you think now could make it a better device for you outside of replacing podcasting? You know, you go Mm. into that in your article, but I'm wondering, are there any iOS changes or any hardware changes that you would like to see that could improve the iPad to make it more capable for you,
1: realistically? Yeah, I mean, realistically, there's still so many things that iOS gets wrong or only partially right. Um, For example, uh, and this is part of the my annual iOS wish list that I'm working on. I'm doing, um am doing bulk file operations on iOS. So you want to select multiple files and you want to open them or you want to send uh, two or three files to another app. It's still impossible because the, the copy to what used to be called opening uh, menu of uh, iOS is still based on a one-at-a-time system. So you can only send one document at a time from app A to app B. Uh, which is, you know, very much an a an, uh, an, uh, slow and, you know, cumbersome process. Uh, so those need to be improved. Uh, iCloud Drive, while it does get some things right, uh, you know, the approach of a simple system, which looks like a file system like on a Mac, but it's actually based on apps, and those apps have uh, folders with icons that, you know, represent the apps that, where the documents come from. That's nice. But uh, it, it needs to be improved in many many ways. Uh, two of which are the ability to restore deleted files, uh, which you can do on iCloud.com on a desktop, but you cannot do on an iPad or on an iPhone, and the ability to view versions of a file. You know, everyone gets this gets this feature almost right and i want to mention dropbox as a service that gets it right you can revert to any previous version of a file and you can do the same with box.com uh you cannot do the same with iCloud drive there's an api for versions which very few apps implement i believe MindNode is one of the few that i can remember that uh, implements iCloud versions apple apps don't have iCloud versions that I know of, and there's certainly not a versioning feature in the iCloud Drive system. Um, I can mention, you know, multitasking improvements. Uh, if you have used the uh, Split View or Slide Over to any extent in the past few months, uh, and if you don't hate the app picker, uh, y- you need to reconsider, uh, you know, your beliefs because it's really a bad app Switching UI. It's slow and it takes ages to find an app that you've not used recently. There's no search bar and the entire interface, you know, it's just slow to scroll and to pick another app and to switch between apps. There's no drag and drop. If you're using two apps at the same time and you want to move, you know, an image or, you know, a bit of text from one up to the other, you still have to use the clipboard as a sort of, you know, workaround uh, because there's no direct touch-based communication between apps. Even, you know, MacBooks, which don't have touchscreens, have gotten this right for, like, decades with drag-and-drop on the desktop. Um, and, of course, you know, I mentioned uh, audio issues uh, on iOS. This is not just about podcasting, by the way. Uh, you still cannot do multiple tasks that involve audio. For example, one of the the things that I believe, you know, teenagers do a lot, but, you know, people of all ages do a lot is you're listening to music and you want to watch a muted video in the background. Uh, It could be a tutorial, could be a live stream of, you know, games or sports, you know, or politics. Maybe you want to just turn on the audio when, you know, an interesting person comes up. you cannot do that on iOS, because every time you start a new audio process, uh, it mutes, so it stops the other one. So you cannot do simultaneous, you know, song listening and, you know, watching a video. you got to choose. Um, there's many of these limitations still on iOS, and some of them have been around for a long time. So, you know, like the the audio problems or the file operation stuff. Some of them are new after iOS 9. So, you know, split view improvements, uh, the app switching UI improvements. Uh, It's a combination of new problems and I believe uh, what the kids call low-hanging fruit in a way, which has been around uh, problems that have been around for a long time.
0: What do you think has kind of changed in the last year that has made things easier for you? Like, Do you think it's the Pro that's had such a big impact? Did you expect it to?
1: No, I didn't expect it to. I was actually very concerned. You about... were a
0: little skeptical about the
1: yeah, iPad Pro, yeah, very much, very much. I was skeptical about the size. I was skeptical about split view. Uh, I really didn't think that Apple would do split view, and I was happily proven wrong. And uh, every occasion, I try to admit my 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 wrongness, my my pa- you know my past wrongness about this. Um, I I think it's the pro makes ios nine better uh, that's what i would say um i really liked ios nine on the ipad air 2 uh, which i used you know to 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 write my ios nine review uh it, which was you know a very uh you know important effort on my part uh, i i'm still happy about that uh but i feel like the ipad pro just because it's bigger uh makes ios nine better for um split view and you know doing any sort of creation. So you can see more paragraphs of text. You can see bigger images. Videos are louder because of the speakers. So it's n- not necessarily the just because it's bigger. It's because it's bigger, iOS 9 has, has been created for that kind of experience. You can use iOS 9 on an iPad mini. You can use you know iOS 9 and Split View on an iPad Air 2. But it's just better on the Pro. And... This applies not just to Split View, which is the obvious, you know, candidate for those improvements, but also things like the shortcut bar, for example, which I talk about in the article. Uh, you can have all of these shortcuts uh, right on top of the keyboard. And, you know, if you use apps for uh, to write, for example, in my case, it's uh, One Writer or Drafts, uh, these shortcuts help in, you know, saving time when you're working with text and Safari, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, I feel like it's better to look at Notification Center when it's more spacious, you know, and uh, it's better in apps like Workflow, for example, because you can view more actions on screen Mm -hmm. at a time. So it's, uh, I mean, it's bigger, but if Apple didn't make iOS 9 the way that it is, I don't feel like I would love the iPad Pro as much as I do.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Like, the reason that I love mine so much is the pairing. And and they do pair so well together, mm-hmm. you know. It yeah. it really is a match kind of made perfectly.
2: Yeah, the I didn't really expect the iPad Pro to jump into my life the way that it did, and and what you guys just talked about is really the reason that the iPad felt so much less productive for me, at least, because I was locked into one thing at a time. But split view, like you said, just really. Opens up the horizons as far as what you can do, and and even, you know, the, the place where the iPad Pro is really taken over for me is like in the evenings where you know if we're watching TV or just hanging around the house, where I'd have my phone in my pocket, and now I just keep the iPad Pro, you know, at the end of the couch, and if I need to look at an email or you know if someone needs something on Slack, I can do that really easily, or just check Twitter. Like that sort of casual stuff is made much more productive uh, through iOS nine and split view in a way that I did not expect, and even going from the Air 2 to the iPad Pro it's so much better and if you haven't done it it's really hard to explain but it it feels so much more um, easy to use and and just so much more space where you really can do a couple of things at once and not feel cramped anymore and that, that really has made just a huge difference for me So Federico I I wanted to ask you
0: um what do you think that developers should be considering
1: now when making iPad apps? Charging for money, <laughs> that comes to mind. That's a really uh,
0: good point, yep. Um
1: I, I feel like there's a comment from John Gruber um, during Fireball yesterday about the Apple reversing the Pencil decision. He said, uh, and I'm paraphrasing here, but that the iPad Pro and Pencil users are really passionate about the experience. Uh, And then could be more true to me. Um, I feel like there's a lot of people uh, who are using an iPad Air or an iPad Pro, I think, as their main computers, and those people are willing to spend good money on apps that help them work faster. We've talked about this at length in previous episodes of Connected. Um, I believe a lot of developers shouldn't be afraid of asking for money. And by money, I mean anything above $5 for an app, you know. I I feel like it's sort of a meme in uh, to to say that you cannot make money on the App Store. There are legitimate problems, many many problems on the App Store, but it's also you know developers. I believe should also try to at least uh, do their part in reversing this trend. Uh, I would also con- suggest making. Um, uh, something that I really don't like is when I see iPad apps, six years into the iPad, there are still companion apps to the full Mac experience. I really don't understand the the concept of a companion app anymore. Uh, it made sense maybe six years ago when the iPad couldn't replace a laptop for a lot of people. And there are still people who don't believe you can use the an iPad as a laptop, but, you know, whatever. Um the concept of a companion app is very outdated. And if you make a companion app for the iPad, with some exceptions, so, you know, remotes, uh, stuff to launch, actions on a Mac, uh, but anything else, if you make a companion app for the iPad, you might as well not make an iPad app at all, you know? Um, And I also urge developers to uh, not blow up an iPhone interface and not think about the experience at all. And I know that Apple, you know, the APIs that they gave the they gave developers to, you know, uh, screen sizes, you know, you, you have to do a, as little work as possible to uh, make an iPhone app into an iPad version. Um, I'm not saying that developers shouldn't use those technologies, but it's just put a little thought into how people are going to use your app on, you know, different screen sizes on the iPad. You know, an iPad mini is not an iPad Pro. Um, And also consider the fact that... um, when people use computers like MacBooks, they and we're, those people are you know power users. They use their computers not just for Facebook and you know Spotify. They actually get work done. They tend to like the fact that they can customize the experience, so they can play around with preferences. They can adjust layouts. You know they can personalize the way that you that they use Mac apps. And I believe the same should be true on iOS on the iPhone. I I, I Every time I talk to developers, uh, I suggest, you know, you should consider having a customizable 3D touch menu uh, to let people decide the way that they want to you know, save time with shortcuts. And on the iPad, I would say the same. Uh, Consider having, you know, letting the users choose how they can, you know, customize the interface or how they can uh, customize the shortcut bar with shortcuts that they find useful. Or consider having options for widgets, you know, let users configure a widget in a different way. Um... Too many apps are still, you know, uh, that kind of uh, what they what they call opinionated experience. And I believe there's a place for uh, opinionated apps on the iPad. It's just uh, the way there's a threshold, you know, between. Um, using an iPad as a companion device and as a sort of, uh, you know, a tablet where you get little work done. But the moment that people uh, go past that threshold and they start using the iPad as a full-on computer, uh, they tend to prefer uh, an app that is customizable, that is powerful, that they paid money for, because it it creates a relationship between the customer and the developer. It's
0: more like Mac development, man. (laughs) You know? Yeah. (laughs) This is what it's like.
1: Yeah, and if you look at the best apps for the iPad, if you look at the Omni Group, if you look at uh, you know Paper, if you look at Paper is free, but that's another issue. Uh, if you look at To Do, uh, some fine examples of iPad software. Uh, they tend to ask for money. They mm-hmm. tend to be fully customizable. They tend to stay on top of new iOS technologies, and they put some thought into their iPad interfaces. So these sound obvious, and they're not companion apps, of course. So, you know, this is what I would say. Who do you think? Is there anyone else you think is really getting it right? Well, just let me take a look at my iPad home screen again. (laughs) Because I feel like there's uh, some some gems that I want to mention. Fiery Feeds gets you right. Uh, It's an RSS reader um, for for iOS and on the iPad they got this very peculiar interface it's it's got a sidebar with articles and it's got a a view on the right for you know, uh, reading the actual uh, content of an article, but they use uh, Safari View Controller, which is a new feature in iOS 9, in a very nice way. You can open uh, Safari View Controller on the right, but on the left you can still scroll messages, which is mm. um, articles, which is nice, mm. uh, because you can open with the usual Safari View, which gives you, you know, Safari Reader, content blockers, uh, extensions, but on the left you can still scroll, you know, and see what else is new. Um, I th- also think that um, copied... Uh, makes excellent use of the iPad. Uh, There's a custom keyboard. Uh, You know, copy this clipboard manager, lets you uh, copy stuff and save these little clippings of text or images. They have a custom keyboard. They support iOS 9 multitasking. The iPad interface actually makes sense. They support Safari View Controller. Uh, It's a very, very, you know, nice app all around. And I also want to mention Protube. This is a very clever take on uh, YouTube on the iPad. So Google is just plain stupid uh, when it comes to iOS apps lately. Uh, They're doing a terrible, terrible job with the Google Docs uh, suite of apps. They're doing a sort of terrible job with YouTube on the iPad. Uh, Just yesterday, the iPad was updated with full resolution Uh, on the iPad Pro, but there's still no picture-in-picture, no split view, no slide over. Uh, And Protube is a power user YouTube client. Uh, It supports multitasking, it supports uh, picture-in-picture, it lets you watch any YouTube video, doesn't matter if it's got ads or not. And, uh, you know, the developer is always active on Twitter. You know, it's the kind of uh, niche kind of app that you pay for. It's got new iOS features, looks great on the iPad, and I've been using it quite a bit. I, I actually didn't think I would use a third-party YouTube client this much, uh, so I was happily surprised. And there, you know, there's many developers who, who get the iPad as a platform, but those developers usually come from a mindset of um, not shaming people who use tablets. You know, and there's still too many Mac developers, uh, who you know, when you bring up the iPad, they go like, you know, what? It's silly uh, to use an iPad. And I believe those who will find success are the ones who realize that while they may need, you know, an iPad, uh, a Mac for Xcode and programming, uh, there's other kinds of people in the world who prefer. Smartphones, or who prefer tablets, or you know who are not developers, and if uh, I believe you know uh, the iPad apps that are successful come from developers who accept the, you know the diversity of use cases of you know OS ten and iOS.
0: I that ProTube app, I have no idea how it exists. Yeah, I me mean, neither. I don't know how Google hasn't made it disappear. Yeah. I don't even know
2: how they get access to the videos. You just put the prompt curse on it. Thanks.
1: No, come on, Mike. There's a YouTube API. Don't jinx it, Michael. I'm sorry. Now it's going to go away, for sure.
2: Federico, you're talking about that um, attitude that some developers, some users have to the iPad. Uh, what do you think Apple could do to change that? Well... Besides, okay, just maybe besides the uh, LOL App Store problem, is, mm-hmm. the, is it all the App Store or is there something else holding people away, you think?
1: Well, I think Xcode on iOS would build a lot of goodwill uh, on you know the developer side. Uh, and it would be a great, great uh, way to showcase the iPad Pro. It would be a great way to have new generations of uh, developers and programmers approach Swift.
0: It's a thing that might make me sound dumb, but I'm going to say it anyway. Do you think that when Xcode is rewritten in Swift, that might make it easier to bring it to iOS?
1: Uh, I feel like the, the question about rewriting Xcode in Swift, it's really way over my head. I really don't know what what that's like internally at Apple. I know that the you know iPad uh, Xcode for iPad exists in some form inside Apple. I don't know huh. if it's just playgrounds, or I don't know if it's you know the actual Xcode that lets you write and r- compile apps. I do know that it exists, and I do know that it used to be at least demoed on the iPad Pro. I don't know what this. You know what what it's like lately because it's something that I that I heard a few months ago. I put a post on Mac Stories. Uh, John Gruber linked to it. He said I also heard about uh, you know Xcode on the iPad Pro. I don't know if it's just playgrounds or if it's the actual Xcode. I know that you know it exists, um, and I and I feel like maybe Apple is waiting to you know for Xcode eight. Uh, You know, or Xcode 10, maybe a couple of years to rewrite Xcode in Swift and bring it to iOS. But I feel like it should be done sooner. Uh, You know, it should be done this year. Uh, It it would be the kind of, you know, uh, it will rekindle the iPad passion for many Mac developers, and I believe also for, you know, for young kids who just want to start programming, don't want to buy a full-on computer, just buy an iPad and you can start making apps. That's a very powerful message, you know, to bring your your programming anywhere, uh, you know, to have a screen that lets you write software. That, I mean, that would be incredible. Um, and you can test the actual app, you know, not in a simulator, but on the actual device. Yeah. I mean, that would be fantastic. It would. Uh, I, I I don't know if, you know, Apple is ever going to make Xcode for iPhone. Uh, I mean, it sounds stupid, right? But is it really stupid? When you think about it, uh, developers making iPhone apps, is it really stupid to imagine that you want to fix a bug on a phone? I don't think it's stupid anymore. Uh I feel like it, the iPad Pro is it's the first obvious place where I would look for Xcode for iOS. Uh, so that would mm, generate a lot of passion and goodwill from developers. Uh, the App Store improvements, those need to happen, and they need to happen fast with uh, WWDC this year. Uh, not, not just on the iOS side, but especially on the Mac side, um, because I, I feel like... Um, Mac developers, uh, well, you know, they've been burned in a way with the Mac App Store. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of that disappointment extends to Apple platforms in general. So, basically, my theory is if you upset a Mac developer, that's also gonna reflect on the iOS App Store because that Mac developer is losing, you know, goodwill uh, with Apple in general, not just with the Mac App Store. And so, Apple improving their developer tools on every platform. Uh with the focus on the Mac and also new tools to help developers make iPad software, you know, that would that would do that would go a long way.
0: Yeah, most definitely. Nice article, Federico. Thank you. Where can Thank people you. go? They can well they can go to MacStories don't there right? We'll have the link in the show notes. Yeah. And also if there are club Mac Stories Man, where you can get an ebook, right?
1: Yes. Yes. There's awesome. an ebook version, yeah.
0: So people should check that out so they can read it on their iBooks devices and uh, whatever it is they want to read their books. Uh, You can find our show notes over at relay.fm slash connected slash 79. I want to thank again our sponsors this week, uh, Smile with PDF Pen and Igloo. If you'd like to find us online, there's a few places you can do that. You can go to maxstories.net for Federico's work and you can go to 512pixels.net for Stevens and you can view their many projects Stephen has YouTube videos now which you can find links on his website and Federico has these many podcasts like Canvas and Remaster which are on Relay FM Steven has Lift Off on Relay FM you guys are so busy It's crazy. If you want to find uh, them online, Federico's at Vittici, V-I-T-I-C-C-I. Steven is at ISMH, and I am at IMIKE, I-M-Y-K-E, and we will be back next week. Until then, thank you so much for listening. Say goodbye, guys. Arrivederci. Adios.